Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm Joe Perez, one of your several lore-focused hosts, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Weasels. I don't know what that means. Very weasels. Just very weasels. Very weasels. Okay, duly noted. All right, well, uh, today we're going to be talking about something that you may have heard about and may have seen. Uh, weasels. We're not talking about weasels. <laughs> I mean, if dragons decide they're going to be weasels, I mean, we can't really stop them. But yes, we're not going to be talking about weasels today. Instead, we are going to be talking about uh, the Legacies Chapter 3, uh, which is an interesting uh, development in terms of story, not just for the dragon flights, as not just for the drag theory either, but also for the history of, you know, Neltharian and what we know about what he is, what he does, what he did, uh, and kind of puts a whole lot of, I don't want to say spin, but it, it, it's an interesting context to some of the things that we, we've we seen in the past. Like, So it opens up with Norzomu walking through uh, essentially a sand time storm with Emberthal leading or, or being led uh, to whatever moment that uh, Norzomu is taking them to. Uh, in which there's a statement of there's a blind spot in Norsdomu's sort of uh, time tinkering memory, whatever you want to call it. There are events that occurred that even Norsdomu doesn't know what happened. In particular, he doesn't actually know at what point Naltharian became or Naltharian became Deathwing. He doesn't. And know- I gotta I gotta say something here. Go for it. Did you notice? what exactly Naltharian does mm-hmm. and why. Okay, we're gonna, good. We're going we're gonna to Go get on. into that. We're going to get into that. Uh, so the, the, there's a reason why we're doing a whole episode about this, folks. So they it's believed, or at least it's presented to Emberthal, that Norzdam thinks that uh, the 
blind spot that he has is going to be centered upon the Drakthir and want wants Emberthal's help to sort of break through to that moment and relive a moment in history that apparently only the Drakthir were there for. And so what we get is we get a flashback, right? Uh, we get Emberthal's memory where there is a fierce battle and there's a, specifically a fierce battle that breaks out against these primordial dragon elemental forces that we've been talking about for weeks now. Instead of going and taking the fight to them, which is what the Drekthir were apparently created for, specifically, not to study humanity, like we were told at one point, not to study what life would be, but to be an army, to be an army of dragons uh, or dragon hybrids that would be able to take the fight to these vast elemental creatures, uh, these primordial dragons. Uh, and what it was is, well, they get devastated. They are absolutely devastated in this moment. But in that moment, leading up to the attack, we see something very specific. We see a legion of Drakthian armors in perfect rigid form, staring up at Naltharian in his humanoid form. And upon his hand, he is wearing a gauntlet a Titan artifact, something that Norse Domu focuses on right away. Emberthal says that we fought with a, a unity of purpose. His will was our own. And Norse Domu goes, huh? Yeah, probably because he was will jacking you. And I assume this is what you wanted to talk about a little bit, Matt. No, no, it isn't, but it's cool. Um, no, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, the thing I want to talk about since you've now given me the whole, there's a book series uh, called the war of the ancients. And in it, Nosdormu was unable to see through a point mm-hmm. a vortex created by the old gods. Yep. That breaches time. What do we see Naltharian do when his 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 uh his order gizmo, his glove of commanding people, gets destroyed? What do we see him do? He reaches out immediately to the dark places and reaches out to uh, a power, an elder power. We can think it. We can assume that it's Nazoth because it's all tentacly and stuff. Yeah, and uh, they, you know, Nosdormu himself says the old gods, and he creates a vortex. Yep, and sucks uh, Razagath through it. I cool. think he basically just he just Alduined him. If you've played Elder Scrolls uh, Skyrim, he just Alduins the problem. He punts. Yep, faced with Razagath, Deathwing punts. He sends him forward. The reason all this stuff is happening now is because Deathwing sent that guy to the future. Well, that's what I, I think. That's I, what I think is what maybe happened. maybe not Deathwing sending him to the future. Maybe it was not exactly Deathwing's call on what happened there. Yeah, but whoever whoever ultimately decided where the vortex yes. was going, uh, it's still basically a punt. It's like oops, bang, lost my order thing. Boop down the road. Let but, someone else worry about this. But more importantly. The fact that Noah's Dormu couldn't see to that moment, I think is very much connected to that vortex because it's exactly like the vortex that he tried to investigate himself in the past and got stuck. And I think that's why he went and got himself a little Drakthir buddy this time, because the last time he tried to look through one of those things, he got jammed up and couldn't get well, out. Specifically, too, though, like none of the other Dragonflight uh, aspects or Dragonflights were present when this happened. Right. So they he needed a vessel. He needed something that was there that was present in that moment. And it just so happened that Emberthal, ones that were eventually locked away. Uh, which we're going to get into in a second here, were present. They were there. It's it's their memory, suppressed as it is. 
Uh, so he doesn't have to peer through time. He doesn't have to peer through the, the, the timeways anymore. He, he doesn't just have to go through the portal. That he, he just, it, you know, we just see opened at the end of this and screw himself up again. He just, what he does is he goes and says, okay, well, you have this memory latent inside of you. Let's unlock it. And I need you to show me what you can remember. And it's interesting because I don't think we've ever seen Norzomu do this before. Right. Uh, not directly. Um, we have seen him kind of do it. I'm trying to remember when we go back uh, through the various end of cataclysm dungeons, the names, the end times dungeons. When we go back to uh, the, uh, the the royal palace, whereas Shara is to get the dragon soul, uh, he basically uses a variation of it to send us. But it's this is the first time I've ever seen him just kind of use somebody else's memories. Yeah. But l- let's for a moment. It's also similar to what Kairos did with the uh, with the sands of time that he was gathering. So that's interesting. But let's let's for a second let's go back to the the shiny happy glove of controlling people that we swear to God isn't domination magic, even though it looks exactly like domination magic. Oh, um, I have theories, but I'm sure you do too. Well, let's let's hear yours first, then. No, no, go for it, please. Continue. I I just I what I think about this is interesting is that the word Titan and the name Titan gets bandied about a lot for, yes. for when we find artifacts like this, and I think we're going to end up with a thing where we redefine what Titan means. And there's going to be multiple different kinds of Titans. Like up till now, Titans have been Amonthul and his pantheon and their, their real order obsession. But we've been told in the past that that might not be the only kind of Titan we get. And we've seen attempts to make artificial different Titans. Mm-hmm. Like Sargeras has basically turned himself into a fell Titan. There was an attempt to make a void Titan. And apparently the old gods thought a void Titan would be like, you know, the bomb would totally win everything in their, in their uh, direction. I think it's possible that there could be like beings that are titanic in scope and power, but are not anything like the Titans we've seen. And I don't know if we're going to get to see death Titans. And I don't think that the eternal ones are Titans because the eternal ones exist in another reality that they're basically integral to controlling and creating. But this reality that we're in right now has beings like the, uh, Oh heck. Like, like, uh, not Mimiron, Algalon. Yeah. Like the Constellars. And we've seen that there are Constellars in or involved in the, uh, the Sepulchre of the first ones, right? We've yeah, seen because Constellars we, and, we, we, and we've seen them in, um, Helia's pocket dimension. We've seen yeah, them Harboron. as Fa- yeah. Harbor and we've seen, they, they can move between realities. We know that much. And they can be like, they can be pledged to different powers. Mm-hmm. And I, I find myself wondering like there, there comes a period of time where a Constellar, you know, like Sargeras killed a Constellar. There was a Constellar that tried to stop him. Would a Constellar try to stop a Titan that it was, that it was sworn to? Like if, even though if he was doing something, it didn't understand, wouldn't it try to like get clarification? And I think part like, of that, I think part of that is also like, we don't have a full understanding of what the Constellar really are. Exactly. Exactly. Right? That's where I'm going with this. Think about this in terms of what that gizmo we saw Deathwing using was. Where did it come from? Was it? And here's the thing that I've been thinking about. It was a like it went on one of his hands. Yep. Like a gauntlet or a yep. fist weapon. Yep. And it reminded me of another fist weapon, the fist of Raden. Yep. Now Raden shaped and created the elemental planes mm-hmm. using that fist. What was if this other thing is related to it? What was it for? Because we know fist weapons tend to come in pairs. 
Like when there's pride, there's also glory. There's there tends to be another fist weapon that goes along with the the fist the first one. And I keep finding myself thinking, is this part of the original control structure? Is the, was the attack not to get Deathwing and not to get the Drakthir, but to destroy that thing before it could be used on them? Since they were working for the elementals who were working for the old gods. And then he calls on the old gods. And of course they answer, but it's like, it doesn't, it, does it feel like to you like a Xanatos gambit? Almost a little bit. Like, like, you know, if, if Deathwing calls upon them, sure. We'll answer. We'll do what you want because now we've got you and we don't need Razageth anymore. That guy was great when we didn't have an actual aspect working for us, but now we do. So go oh, sure. Yeah. He can go off somewhere. It's, it's a devil's bargain, right? Like it's, it, it's essentially what it winds up boiling down to in that moment. But yeah, I think, yeah but not just that. Not I just think there's that. layers to it. Yeah, exactly. I think when I'm looking at it, the thing that keeps coming to my head was that both, it, it reminded me very much of when Illidan was working for uh Kael'thas. not Kael'thas. Oh my God, man, I'm having a bad day today with this. <laughs> uh, Kill Jaden. Yes. And each was planning to betray the other. And each had plans for when that betrayal didn't work. And I'm sitting there going, Deathwing doesn't kill them. And it's even called out in the video that, that Notharian does not kill the Drakthir, even after he can't control them anymore. Yeah, so I want to talk about that a little bit, too, before we start so going into go. some speculation. I want to finish finish going through the, story, the short a little bit. So in this moment, we then see what happens is uh, essentially a betrayal and it's the betrayal of Neltharion to the Drakthir because the Drakthir are no longer useful to him. Now, whether this is his idea or whether this is the idea of the old gods that are now whispering in his head, telling him to do so, uh, he approaches the Drakthir. And originally we had thought that maybe it was like the blue dragon flight that had uh, locked them away. And we speculated about this because there were some things that uh, were present in the Drakthir starting area that didn't exactly make this clear. But it turns out that he basically walked in and used his magic or magic that is much more arcane in nature from what it seems like to lock them away. Maybe similar magic to what was used, I don't know, to imprison old gods that decayed over time, just as the Drek'thir's uh, magical bindings are breaking down now. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there, but he locks them away and then goes about his maniacal his maniacal deeds. But again... At this point, the rest of the Dragonflights are not there. And so when the Drakthir are waking up and they understand that the Drakthir were created by Deathwing, they're nervous because they don't know what happened. We've seen other creations of Deathwings in the past. We've seen armies that he has created of mutations. We've seen entire Dragonflights created through his cruel experimentation of him and his bloodline that have assaulted the dragon flights. Don't don't forget Altraxian existed. Altraxian went hell for broke again uh, to the Dragon Temple, the, the Wormrest Temple, and attacked it. We fought it there. We had to fight it back. It was going for the aspects. And it's an interesting thing to see like why exactly everybody would be so worried about these little humanoid dragons. But what I find also equally interesting is how tender Norsdomu is in the moment of the revelation of the betrayal. Norzdomo could say a bunch of things. He could be, you should have seen this coming, or, you know, it's your own fault, or whatever other empty, mean thing he could possibly have said. Instead, he's essentially comforting. He's, I understand that this is hard, this is terrible, but there's a reason you were locked away. 
why think think why would he fear you why would you be a thing to be locked away you said you were devoted to him he must have understood that so why and there's a moment of realization that he essentially gives emberthal hope again he gives emberthal purpose throughout this most painful memory and coming out the other side of you have a destiny now where you can choose to be what you want to be. You are no longer shackled to Neltharion. You are no longer shackled to Deathwing. You are no longer shackled to whatever device he created. And instead you can choose your path. You can choose your war. You can choose your fight. While I hope you will help us, I can't make you and I will not make you. And it's an interesting and hopeful moment giving back to Emberthal where that had been taken away for thousands of years. And Emberthal even says at this point, like, there's almost like we have an ancient enemy that's coming back. And Emberthal says, you spoke of an ancient enemy's return. It is Razageth and the Primalist. That is why we were awakened. So, and then Norzomo says, that it seems that Notharian maybe yet had a purpose for you, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if this was a contingency plan in Neltharian, uh, like the real part of him, the actual dragon aspect, the original that's, good guy that was deep understood. Yep, maybe. But here's the other thing. The other thing is I'm thinking it might not have been the good Neltharian, but Neltharian was always a pragmatist, even when mm-hmm. he was good. And yes, you've just made a deal with the old gods, but you're not stupid. You know what a deal with the old gods means. You know it's you a know devil's it, bargain. Yeah. You know it better than anybody. So they're going to betray you and you'd better be ready to betray them. You know what I mean? Like betray them back. And I, I just keep thinking about this. It's Desdemona and Xanathos all over again. Yeah. Like, Oh sure. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, you betrayed me and I, I have also betrayed you and you know, you wouldn't respect me if I didn't It's kind of like, um, Ashara and Nizoth really. And I think it would only work on Nizoth because Nizoth kind of respects guile. In a way that the Which other is, old gods wouldn't. And because we, he had to use it to fight them in the first place. Because he was the weakest of the old gods. And we have an inkling that Nazoth was the one that really sort of like tickled the uh, the brain meats of, of uh, Deathwing to sort of push that over the edge, right? Yeah, we've from the beginning, we've always known that it was probably Nazoth. Because um, he always works through subtly, yeah. Yeah, the first time we even hear about Nazoth is through that whole section. Yeah. But it's like one of the things that keeps coming back to me about that that object that gauntlet, whatever it was, and its connection to quote unquote order magic. And that this order magic, I, I don't think that the dragon, I don't think that the Draxir were controlled. No, I think, I think their natural tendency was amplified. I th- I don't even think it was that, although that's not a bad way to put it, but I think the way that this device worked was it basically, it created consensus. Okay, how, do yeah, create, yeah, yeah. How, how do you create consensus? So this you get everybody together discussing things right that's how we do it but this this artifact allowed him to do it instantly i have a different take on this i think and i want to i want to present and we'll find out what it's go ahead i'll I'll come back to mine when you're done no no, go finish 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 just i'm i'm looking at the scenes where he where she says suddenly everything became confusion and i think what happened was when he was using the artifact he wasn't imposing his will on them because then they'd just be drones and he doesn't want drones what he was doing was linking them so that when he had an when he had an order for them, they could immediately take it, digest it, and come up with ways to execute it. That's the difference between a drone and a soldier. 
A drone just does what you tell it. A soldier looks at what you want and gives you that. So they don't. And, and I think that that's kind of like what the device was. That's why he calls it order magic. Yeah. And not domination magic. Yeah. I think it, it was, a, it was creating an order for them. And when it got broken, it couldn't do that anymore. And a reason I think it's that the reason I think it was the thing Razgoth was there to attack in the first place was because think about what happens to the elementals when they all have access to enough spirit, which is what we call, you know, we, we think is anima. When they have enough of it, they're not aggressive towards each other. They can work out their differences. They can reach consensus. Maybe. I think there might be. I know there might be more. And I I totally don't want you to abandon what you're thinking, which is why I now want you to go with it so I can then react to it. (laughs) So here's the thing. And this is a discussion that since this short came out that a lot of the lore community uh, has been discussing. Uh, Talos and Enavital have talked about it. I believe uh, Jesse and the Lost Codex has talked about it. And and the community at large has been posting about it, and there's been debates back and forth of where this device actually came from. And some people are saying that this might be too on the nose, but I think there's a lot here that sort of lends to the idea that there might be a couple things that give, maybe give us an indication of where this thing was has its point of origin. Matt probably already knows what I'm going to say, and you probably all do as well. There's an element, I think, of tear here, Right. Tyr was a Titan Forge keeper, the mightiest of the Watchers, who was a wonderful warrior and a leader, a general supreme that resided in the Temple of Order in Alduar. He lost one of his hands fighting against one of the greatest corrupted creatures that we have ever been told that has existed. We don't know what happened after that. We don't know if that particular part of him was dissolved inside of Galakrond. We honestly don't even know where his body is because it certainly isn't underground. And some of the arguments have made is, well, Tyr is absolutely gigantic. It can't possibly be his. But what if it's based off of what was left of Tyr's body, or at least in that particular case, his hand? What if that is exactly what Naltharian Wetton did? Went to the place where Galakron's body fell. He can do it. None of the protectors of, of the Dragonflight that are stationed around there are going to tell him no. Not at this point. He's a well-respected dragon aspect, a warder of the deep places. They know that this is his domain. They're going to let him do what he wants to do. Maybe he goes and retrieves this artifact thinking he needs something like this. He needs a little more order magic, a little more power to make everything sort of work together. And two things happen. One, he finds what he's looking for and refashions it, which we know makes things stronger or more pronounced. We've literally been told this for three expansions now. Uh, whether it's Rune Blades, whether it's Morn Blades, whether it's the crown, uh, the Helm of Domination or the Crown of Wills, uh, whether it's Rune Magic in general, everything that gets broken and reformed tends to be stronger or uh, more amplified in a purpose. But Galakron was corrupted. What corrupted him? We we have said that it's old god or necromantic influences. If it was old god influences, that's a really good way of introducing that that little tiny voice. If it's been sitting in a festering corpse that the old gods have been sort of like in into for a while now, and he repurposes it, that little tiny voice at the back of his head as he's wielding it that says, yeah, you can go ahead and do this. This is, this is consensus, maybe. Or this is you uh, making your will known. Because it always struck me, maybe not necessarily as will jacking to what you're saying, but as further order of a general being able to give direction to every soldier at the same time right there's that line that emberthal says it was is if our wills were one well 
this is something that we do in real life with telecommunication. We have communications officers inside of military groups that, that sort of act as these center points that allow information to flow back and forth. And that's what allows armies to move in unison and work together in concert. Well, this is sort of the Azeroth version of it, right? And having something that's based off of maybe a Titan Watcher that was known to be a great warrior, that was known to be associated specifically with an aspect of order, would not be out of the question. And I think there, I think there might be something there with it, where maybe that's where the root of this is. And I'm not saying that's the complete story with it, but I think it's it, it solves two problems of where did this magic come from and how did the old gods get out their hands inside of Deathwing to begin with? Because it's a subtle thing. Right. It's not it's not an overt thing. And maybe he knew they existed because they were imprisoned. Maybe that information was entrusted to them. I don't know if we ever actually had confirmation that the uh, aspects knew that there were old gods chained inside of Titan facilities or not. I don't think we have confirmation of that. I think we've made a lot of assumptions about that. Um, but, yeah, I that's I, I can't help think that this is something that once belonged to Tyr or was a part of Tyr. And I can't shake that feeling. Yeah, I don't think the two those two things are necessarily contradictory because you know what this reminds me of the most of anything? Hmm. Battle meditation. Yeah. If you guys don't know what battle meditation is, it's from Star Wars. It's a Jedi, I don't want to call it art, but I don't know what else to call it, a Jedi ability with the Force that's considered one of the most dangerous, but it's a light side ability. It's not a dark side. There's never been a dark side user who had battle meditation. It wasn't taught to them and they couldn't, if they didn't already know it, they couldn't learn it. And very few people could learn it, in fact. Uh, it was so rare that uh, when somebody was found to have capacity with it, oftentimes there wasn't anybody to teach them. They had to just figure out how this worked by themselves. Um, if you've played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, you saw battle meditation in action. And you saw that whilst it was not an ability that the dark side knew how to teach, it was one they could use if they fell to the dark side after having already learned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Bostoli using it. I think what we see of Deathwing using that device, I keep calling him Deathwing, but he was an Altharian at the time. I don't think, again, I don't think he was controlling them. I think he was imposing an yeah. order. Yeah. Like, a consensus. But that's but why I said, I, like, I think, think it's delivering that, that, that like order, like giving that order more efficiently. Right. It's like, like I said, I think it's like battle meditation where <clears throat> he reaches out and touches everybody's minds and basically shares with them. Here's the know, plan. What what I think we should do, and and gets all their feedback instantly. She she specifically says it's like our will was one, mm-hmm. and what that says to me is that they were. It, she even says that we trusted him. We would have done anything he asked. They would have done anything he asked, whether or not he had the artifact. Oh yeah, no, they were one hundred percent devoted. The, the, he was yeah. their general, and as a result of that, that's why I think. First off, it's why I think I, I don't dislike your idea that it might have been related to tier because I keep thinking about when uh Caligos found the spark of tier mm-hmm. and saw you know the sparks of tier are devices that were basically recorders. Uh and what they did was very much what what uh Nosdormu is trying to do here. They record memories of an event and then play them back. He's trying to use his abilities and this Drakthir to do the same thing. And it's quite possible that that's because the order device that uh Neltharian was using is similar in some way to the, the Sparks of Tear. But what's really interesting about all of this to me is this idea, not just that there's betrayal involved, but that Neltharian locked them away. Like it's, it, it's not, impl- it's implied that he was afraid of them, 
but it's also implied that he wanted them to be able to develop. Right. Because don't forget that they, they weren't like locked away in, in such a way that they would like decay or that wasn't like a prison. They were locked away in like an arcane lock where they were preserved. Yeah. And he wanted them preserved. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because even if we assume that he's, you know, we know that the silver hand was forged for tear when his hand was destroyed. Um, we don't know if the silver hand, what was, what it was made of. Yep. We don't know if it was made out of his hand. That would be kind of weird. Uh, but we do know that it was made after he lost his hand. Yeah. Um, by, uh, by Jotun, right? Yep. And tear, we saw Galakron bite his hand off and swallow it. And when he was fighting Galakron, Galakron was mutating the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like every time Tyr hit him, he was turning into a dragon, like an actual dragon, which the, the proto drakes that were fighting him, the, the aspects before they were aspects, wouldn't have recognized. But it was clear whatever was going on with Galakrond was partially Tyr's fault. Tyr says as much. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that in the past. What, what does that mean? What was Galakrond's deal? But in this, what, what's really interesting is we don't know. You, you pointed out we don't know what happened to Tyr's hand. But we know that this spark of tear that tear was reaching out to grab when he got his hand bitten off by Galakrond was later found by Caligos. Mm-hmm. So it didn't get swallowed. Now he was grabbing it when that happened. So it was in his hand. Did it just poop him out? Like, what's the deal here? Why was that thing still intact? Why was it there on the battlefield thousands of years later for, for Caligos to find it? Was it purposely expunged by the old gods that had infested Galakron's body? Was there a reason or, behind it? Or what if the hand didn't go down the mall in the first place? Mm-hmm. He just bit it off. And that means the hand was left around. But if the hand was left around, why wasn't the hand there? But then think about this. Unrelated to that. Tyr knew his hand was left there. Tyr knew that because him, Tyr and Jotun made the silver hand that the, uh, replaced his his former hand with why did tear if tears hand was left around why didn't he go get it why did he leave the spark there it's not like tear didn't know it was there it's not like Joden didn't know it was there that's just really interesting to me yeah there's there's a lot here and i don't want to and i want to make sure that like i don't want to have tear removed from the conversation when it comes to the hand moving forward and for all of our listeners keep it in mind um mm-hmm. But, but I think but too, also we, we should, before we move on, we should point out that a lot of the stuff we're going to see in Dragonflight is based around the, the, the places like Tearhold. Mm-hmm. Like Tear obviously had a presence on the Dragon Isles. Tear himself, like the Titan stuff we see there was related to Tear. And that's worth thinking about. This, the whole Primalist Rebellion, we still don't really know much about it. We don't know like, who was fighting in this. We know it was some proto Drakes, but why? What, like, how did it start? Because one of the things that's fascinating for me about all this is that some people have tried to accuse uh, these legacy shorts and Dragonflight in general of being retro- of retcons. And in the classical definition of the term retcon, they are. Because it's continuity that we didn't know up to now. Mm-hmm. But it's not changing anything. Because previously, what we have for WoW's history is... You know, before 10,000 years ago, various things happened at various times that we don't, you know, it's myth and legend stuff. There's never a date given and nobody talks about how long between these events were. We don't know how long the aspects were aspects before the Sundering. 
which took place 10,000 years ago. We don't know how long there was between Galakrond and that happening. We have no idea how long the history of the dragons is. Yeah, and I think that that's another thing that is is sort of important and why I think the shorts involving Norsdalmu are important as well, right? Because time is the one thing that we don't generally have a uh, a scale that we can hold up and measure against. We don't we know not relative, before 10,000 years ago, not before 10,000 years ago. We can we can measure that. But so much happened before that so much could have already been set in motion. There's so much that we don't know. And there are beings that would be able to tell us about that. And now we're starting to get a little bit about that, but we don't know how long, like in this particular case, we don't know how long the dragon isles existed. Really? Yep. Well, I mean, the isles probably existed before the dragons even went there. And it may have well, been a Titan facility before the dragons went there. Mm-hmm. If it Tyr- might've been something Tyr gave them. Exactly. Right. Like you guys are going to need this now more than I do, because now you're in charge of defending the world. It's no longer my responsibility. If Galakrond is Tyr's fault, the Dragon Isles might be where Galakrond was originally affected exactly. by whatever was affecting yep. him. And what would happen if Naltharian... Also, this- dude, you're going to take the hat off because the thoughts are just beaming across and I n- I need to like be able to think my own thoughts. Because <laughs> we're on the same wavelength here and I yeah, love it. It does kind of seem like but, that. But that's, the, that's the thing I love about this too is, right, because when I said at the beginning of this that this starts to color everything that... Deathwing started to do and everything that his children did for years to come afterwards, this is where you start to really see it because, again, it all boils back down to Tyr. If Tyr was the one that was experimenting with Galakrond and is the reason that it happened, and if that happens to be on the Dragon Isles, which I really do suspect it was, that means he's got a laboratory or a system or something there very similar to what we saw in Aldir, right? In Aldir, with Mother, when all that stuff was going on, it was a a test facility. It had rooms and containment set up to mess with arcane and, and biological uh, sus- substances and mashing them together. They accidentally created an old God. It cannot be the first time that they've messed up like that. And Galakron is proof that, that, that it's very likely, you know, that is the first mess up or at least the most public of them. But if it happened on the dragon Isles and all of a sudden tears gone and, all of the dragon flights are left to inherit all of these facilities. Notharian is a keeper of the deep places. He's going to go places that the other ones wouldn't even consider going. Lorzdamu is going to be dealing with time. He's going to be dealing with the chamber that we, we are shown on the dragon Isles in the shorts, where it looks very similar to the Mogu creation engine, by the way, um, where it seems like that, that is a convergence point for the pathways, potentially. At least that's my assumption. That's my, my, my tinfoil hat guess of what that is. You have Alex Straza, who's concerned with life and is going to be more focusing on what's on the surface. You have, uh, why can't I think of his name now? Not Caligos. Malagos? Malagos, who is concerned with the keeping and tidying of magic and is worrying about the ley lines and how magic is developing across the world isn't looking inward necessarily. And Ysera is concerned with also not just protecting the nature, but making sure that the Emerald Dream is curated and tended to, or at least guarded in whatever capacity that they were charged with by Freya. So why? Or I wouldn't say why. So Neltharion traveling into the earth and wandering around this place and learning as much as he can about what Tyr did makes sense. And now look at his further experimentations. Look and also at, think about this while we're talking about this. 
yeah, maybe there was some corruption from whatever. If if Tyr went and got a piece from you know the the whole hand of Tyr getting bitten off by Galagron thing, if that's where that artifact came from, then yeah, there might be some old god corruption from that. But let's assume for a moment he didn't. That it came from somewhere else. Maybe he just took a piece of Galakrond when he went and got his hand back and brought it back to the lab. Or maybe he didn't never went to Galakrond. Maybe he didn't do any of that. Maybe that's just because that's just speculation. We don't know. Sure. But we do know this. Uh if if the the place where Tyr changed Galakrond was on the Dragon Isles, and if, as seems likely, Neltharion went down in there, because we know Neltharion has a lab. On the Dragon Isles, because we're going to go to it. It's a dungeon. Yep. So think about this for a second. Was that Tears Lab first? And did he basically go in there and find, and the first time he contacted the idea of the old gods was when he went into that lab and saw Tear and Mother and others were working on some kind of containment for these necrophotic parasitic entities. And yeah. he's like, what are these things? Like, why are they, why are they in the earth? That's my domain. Like, did did he already know they were there? If he already knew they were there, then he you you bet your money he was going into that lab looking for something about them. Mm-hmm. Because you'd want, if you're in charge of the Earth, you'd want to know what everything you could about these things. And if he didn't know about them, that's the first crack right there. That's the first. You know, you start wondering maybe the Titans don't have my best interest at heart when you find out that they locked horrible monstrosities in the place they have you guarding and didn't mention it. Yeah, because like, that's um, the other thing. Like, we don't, we don't, the dragons never really talk about the old gods, right? I mean, they talk about them in terms of the old gods are attacking, we must stop them. But there's not a lot of, oh, yeah, the old gods, here's everything we know about them. Mm-hmm. We've never heard, like, anybody say, well, we first found out about the old gods at what point? Like, you know, that has never come up. And it seems now, like, granted, go, go ahead. I was going to say, because, like, in the interactions, it seemed like they knew about it because of what happened with Deathwing. And they may have, they like, it feels like they knew about it after the fact. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting, picking up what you're saying. It seems like something that they maybe should have been told, but it feels like they weren't told that they weren't told yeah, that these possibly, are horrors that exist that might might come back to haunt you. And possibly they weren't told about them just because the the Titan Watch, the Titan Forge thought that's our deal to deal with. Mm-hmm. Your deal is stuff that comes from Azeroth. You know, you handle this, we'll handle that. But maybe it was a, simply an oversight, or maybe they did get told about it. We just don't know yet. But regardless. However it worked out, there's so many different ways that the contact could have happened here at this place in this lab, or do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it feels an awful lot. Like this is also involved in where of this primalist rebellion comes from. Yep. Like if Tyr was experimenting on Drake's, he might've done well, some stuff to some Drake's yeah. or the experiments themselves might have caused something. Or even if just the Drake's themselves we're like, I don't, this dude's sketchy. We don't want anything to do with these people. Well, think about it. It's like, clear. One of the primalists even says that they're going to cleanse Azeroth of the Titans interference. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's interesting because when you take that thought and you start looking at the other things that Deathwing did, look at his other labs, look at his other experimentations. The first real look that we got into it was, not necessarily the Black Rock Spires, but it was Blackwing Lair. And in Blackwing Lair, there's all manner of uh, laboratories. There's an entire section that is literally beacons and burners and and everything else. And there are okay. I gotta I gotta kind of disagree with you. I think it is Black Rock Spire because of the Gith encounter. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, granted, Gith is like outside the door to Black you know, to Blackwing Lair, but nevertheless, the first yeah. time you go in. 
we see not only is Notharian, I mean, not Notharian, not only is Nefarian, you know, there is Lord Victor Nefarious egging on Rend, but he gives him a freaking chromatic drake to ride around on. Yeah, that's and, and I, chromatic I, drake eggs. Yeah, I, I, for, I totally forgot about the the chromatic drake eggs, but like that's but what it I was just trying confirms to get your theory. It. it absolutely confirms your theory. The centrifuges with all the dragon blood in them, the dragon corpses hanging from chains, Cro-Magnus. all of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gith himself. Gith all is a the, fully functional chromatic drake. Yeah, all of the uh, all of the um, uh, the Draconoids that we encounter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like everything about this place is just further. Uh, it's just it's showing sort of. I don't want to say an evolution of what he did with the Drakthir, but it very well maybe. Where did he even get the idea for the Drakthir? And going back to your thought, if he did find Tyr's lab, that would make perfect sense. If he's looking at this experimentation and seeing how Tyr is applying, let's say, elemental forces to nature, nat- natural occurring creatures on Azeroth's surface, and oops, accidentally Galakrond, uh, or oops, accidentally uh, ticks off every of the elemental drakes because maybe he was capturing elemental uh, proto drakes or, or elemental drakes and experimenting on them with the curse of flesh, uh, trying to turn them into something else. Because again, we don't know where Galakron came from, but we and we don't even know that Tyr did. We don't know Galakron against his will. It's quite possible he just showed up, rocked up to Galakron, said, "Look, you're apparently the most well regarded of your kind." How would you like to help shepherd them into a new future that would have taken you, you know, eons to get to without me? Yeah. And Galakron's like, yeah, I like helping my people. I, I like to organize hunts and give my people food and, and be a, an inspiration to them. Sure. Yeah. What do I have to do? And then next thing you know, that didn't work. Right. Because you know? we're, we're told that the five, the, the, the five proto drakes that become the aspects are the most intelligent. That doesn't mean they're the only intelligence. Right. Yeah. And for that matter, I mean, again, it's said multiple times that Galakrond is well-respected among his kind mm-hmm. like, and that he helped them. He was considered up until he suddenly came back and was a monster. They liked him as much as you like anybody who's a big dragon thing. I mean, they weren't like exactly having parties, but, you know, he organized hunts. That sounds, you know, and there's a debate that when the, when the proto drakes know Galakrond's doing stuff, they have a debate. They discuss it. it it's a lot. It makes orc moots seem like you know you know centerpieces of erudition because they're not exactly like sitting around and having well-reasoned arguments they're basically just yelling at each other but it's still something they were obviously already there i can see why he picked them you know why would he pick dragons and not any other group well he didn't pick humans or dwarves or anything because they didn't exist yet and they're just titan forged anyway why would he pick his own kind? He's looking for something that seems native to Azeroth. And Proto-Drakes may not be native to Azeroth, but they're certainly part of it. And they're organizing themselves. And this is in the past, way before anybody else did. There's no troll empires yet. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nobody. Of course he's going to pick these guys. And so there's so many different ways this could have come about. It's really fascinating because this is so much we don't know. But there's it's tantalizing how it falls together. Like your point about the, the hand of tear, I'd never considered it. What if it literally was, we see, we've got the fist of raw den. Yep. Maybe it is the hand of tear. Well, and that's what I mean. Like we've seen, we've seen uh Titan for or Titan watcher relics and Titan uh, forged items. Be able to be reconstituted, be able to be shifted, be able to be reforged or repurposed. Oh, wow, dude, dude, you just Go made for me it. think of this. Go for it. Of the three big ones, the three 
most influential and powerful of the Titan Forged that came to Azeroth. Odin, Tyr, Odin, Tyr, and Ra. Yep. Odin gets his face mutilated and loses an eye. Yep. Radan gets his heart pulled out and is mutilated. Uh huh. Tyr has his hand cut off and is mutilated. Uh huh. And there's artifacts from at least two of them. The eye of of Odin is we we fight it at one point. Yep. It's wandering around the Shadowlands. The hand of Ra, the fist of Radan is used to help create the elemental planes that they imprison the elementals in. And later on, a shaman uses it. Yep. But we've not seen Tyr's hand. We've seen mm-hmm. the mace, Tyr's hand, but that mace was the mace he had before he lost his hand. Now, interestingly enough, and I want to throw this out there because this is this is a bit of speculation based off of some things that were revealed in-game. This is mild spoilers. There are in-game models for this particular item, for the hand, for this relic item that Naltharian is wearing, both shattered and whole. What that means, it could be something that they're just using for cinematics, or maybe we might be getting our hands on the third of the Titan Watcher relics. The one that we don't know what happened to, which I think would be absolutely fascinating and absolutely interesting, especially if we're the ones putting it back together and it would fit going back to what you were talking about at the beginning. If we're fighting the primalists and the primalists don't care for tier, they don't care for the Titans and the Titan watchers and the Titan facilities because they know what's going on, or at least they have an inkling of what's going on. Maybe they saw what happened to Galakrond. Or maybe they saw what happened to others of their of their their brood. Maybe they can sense that magic. Maybe that's part of what we're doing is putting that together, putting that back together. You know, like we've done with some other relics in the past, Homo Domination, uh, in order to take the fight to them in a very specific way. It would not. Yeah, it's one possibility. Yeah, I don't think it's and out it of the realm of possibility. Wonder, yeah. What if that thing was used on them before? Mm-hmm. To keep them at bay. Yeah. Or. You know, what if he used it on Galakrond to convince him it was a good idea to let him do whatever he did to Galakrond? Well, and that's the other thing is we don't know what Tyr did. We don't know. We don't know what Tyr was capable of. Because, I mean, that's the other thing, too, right? Like, if it was part of him, if it was his his actual factual hand and it was a piece of him, we don't know the extent of his power at the height of his power. We know that Odin was absolutely mighty. Right. We know that Odin had a ton of capability to do all manner of things. Uh, We've seen that Odin learned how to basically create and reanimate bodies. Yeah. And we've seen that Raden was strong enough to create an elemental plane. Yep. I mean, Helia helped him design it, but he, he executed built it. it. Yeah. He's the one that made it. Now, think about the fact that of the three, Tyr was the physically most powerful of them. And they were all strong. I mean, you know. Odin and Tyr went in together and smacked around. Uh, no, was it Odin and Ra? Was it Odin and Ra or Odin and o- Tyr who smacked Odin- around? Uh- Odin and Ra went after Ragnaros. Okay, yeah. So Odin and Ra went in after Ragnaros. Um, but think about Tyr is supposedly better at that than they were. He was the best of them. Only Thorim rivaled him in might, and Tyr was the better soldier. Tyr was the better battlefield commander. Oh no, I apologize. It was Tyr and Odin. It was Tyr okay. and Odin that fought the fought Ragnaros. I apologize. That makes sense. But think about it. How did Odin, how did Tyr get to be that good? And why did that leadership not translate to being the prime as, the prime designate? If Tyr was the physically strongest and best general, was it because he did this to the Titans, the Titan Forged? Is this the way the Titan Forged fought? They linked up through Tyr. It would, which would make explain sense, why Tyr yeah. is in the Temple of Order, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like when not at war, you don't need someone to lead like this. 
I mean, heck, look at Roman history. The whole concept of a dictator before it turned into what it is today and we all hate it. The original Roman concept of a dictator was, okay, we're at war. That guy's at charge now. The second we're not at war anymore, we don't have to listen to that guy anymore. Yeah, it's literally the person that is reciting, like, you know, giving He's orders. Right? He's dictating you. what's He's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're looking well, at. And, and, feels like. and I can't stop thinking about that, too, because the Temple of Order is broken by the time we get there. Oh, yeah. It's it's destroyed and there's stuff coming up out of it. And it's, and it's separated, too. What's that? And it's empty. It's the it's, only one that doesn't have any sign of anybody. Yes, having been it's there. been cleared out. Why has it been cleared out? And it's separated from the rest of the Alduar facility. It's no longer linked with it as well. Like there's a lot that isolates it from everything else. And it's overgrown and crumbling and broken. Yes, it's the lights are still on, but why specifically that one? Why was that torn apart? Right. Was that Loken? Was that Loken, you know, throwing a tantrum? Was that Odin throwing a tantrum? Was that aftermath of, you know, the separation of Odin's uh, little section of the Halls of Valor being transported to its own location in prison? And there's also a point that's made. Uh, I looked at a couple of different places that so we looked it up. One of the points that's made is that there's no specific sign of a struggle. Yes. Unlike at other places, when, when Tyr lit out, and we know where Tyr went. But when he lit out, he left the place just there. He didn't do anything to defend it. Mm-hmm. He just he abandoned it. And there's nothing there now. But I like so, your yeah, But ahead. I like I like your idea though, and, and this is kind of where like one of the core things that I think about too with this is the idea of sort of the Titan Forge being able to sort of link together with the sort of watchers and the generals of it, because we know that they waged war against the the Black Empire. We know yeah, as an as an opening act, they they subdued all the elementals and the elemental lords who are power itself. The elemental lords are raw elemental power, and they fought those guys at their full. Not not it like some avatar, not some form that had been beaten on a, on the material plane and then was trying to regenerate itself when we showed up. They fought them at their prime. And even the old gods couldn't beat them physically. The old gods used magic to constrain them. And that's that's something to keep in mind, because what did they use? The Cypher of Damnation, mm-hmm. which sounds an awful lot like domination magic to me. <laughs> but I'm just, a, you know, I'm just a simple caveman, you know, lore fiend. <laughs> uh, but like, think about this. They used... They used something that dominated the uh, the elementals and controlled them. The the Titans show up, say, "Oh, we we can't just go down there. We'll we'll ruin the place." And so they send down the Titan Forged in all their different with the Titanic Watchers and the top as the commanders. But they're orderly beings. Wouldn't they want to make an army that was similarly orderly? Yeah, but and I mean, how it's do you ensure it? Right? How do you ensure it? Yeah, how do you ensure it though? Because you can't get down in there. It's like when we build nanotech where we, we which we have done it's nothing like in the science fiction yet, but we've built microscopic robots and we've used them to do things so we program them and then slave them to a master unit and it's it's i think this is where we're looking what we're looking at yeah the ability to say okay we're at war now i'm the master unit you gotta do what i you, say uh, you plug it's in important you- but also you plug in as sort of like that central check-in point, right? Exactly. Every it, it, Do you remember when Diablo 2 Resurrected couldn't get through the, the, the login process because it was using the original code yep. for before Battle.net existed? What if that's what Tyr is doing? 
or what this device does. It goes back to like, forget all this newfangled stuff you've evolved. I'm going to push this thing here that is primal to you, that that is central to thinking. Now, the interesting thing is going to be whether or not we find a place on the Dragon Isles in Tears Hold, in everything that we find here, that is a replacement for the Temple of Order. Or, ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. You, you, you remember how you were talking before, uh, a couple of shows ago now, about how Alduar didn't join in? Yep. Because it, imagine, like, that means, think about what Tyr would have said about that, had Tyr been around to do anything about it. I think about what the Temple of Order could have been used to do. Like, we pointed out, you've pointed out before that it's just sitting there. What if, if the it Temple would- of Order still exists, then all the other temples might route to it. And that now you've got direct, unambiguous access to the engine of the makers. Which is why at the end of uh, at the end of Battle for Azeroth, while we're sitting there trying to route everything through the heart chamber, through a main control system, it's we're literally hacking the Gibson to make it work. Yeah, because it doesn't have the original. The original control center is not in in use, and that's why Alduar can be cut off because again the temple of order is no longer connected to everything. It's not being routed through that central location anymore. Talk about it being empty and, and broken and having it being separated from the rest of Alduar. But it's because of that, that memoir can go, Nope, hanging up now. And then just cut off that facility. Had- and you're talking about if there's a, a structure like it on the dragon Isles, but I think, think about it this way. Don't think about, is there a structure like it on the dragon Isles? Think about, is it the dragon Isles? Yes. What yep. is the dragon Isles entire? was that structure. It was the place where he went that the temple of order would have just been like, for lack of a better word, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. The temple of order would have just been the first connection node between that facility and Alduar. It would have been, it would have been his version of I'm not, I'm taking my ball and getting out of here, but not, not to run away, but to have a secure location. Yeah. It's working on the problem. The problem of, of ordering Azeroth is how do we order it with these chaos things inside? And not only that, but think about it this way too. We know that the dragon isles were only being we reawokened as the ley lines were healing. There's a specific reason it was placed there. Mm-hmm. Right. And until the ley lines were, were moved back into place, the dragons couldn't find it. They couldn't go back home. Why couldn't they find it? Why couldn't they go back home? You know, what, what, what was the mechanism that was keeping it secure from even them? And was that the natural order of it? Was it Tears hidden oasis that still tapped into the nexus of ley lines that connected literally every Titan facility? Because pretty much every Titan facility, I, I, if, I, if, if we were ever to get a map oh, of the ley oh, lines of Azeroth, oh. I'm almost willing to bet every single Titan facility was placed at either a nexus or a junction point of all of the ley lines before Azeroth exploded. Yeah, but dude, what if what if we have it backwards? Oh. What if I'm sorry I wasn't pushing the button? I was so excited. Um, <laughs> what if the reason that we we could only find it now wasn't because the ley lines weren't connected to it and therefore couldn't be sensed or whatever? But what if it's like an artificial concentration of ley lines? Mm. What if tier tier worked around the the because when they were they're ordering Azeroth. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing they're doing is ordering Azeroth after the, the Black Empire falls, right? <laughs> so one of the processes of ordering it is to channel back all as much energy as you can to the big wound 
that was created when when they ripped Yashraj out, right? When when Amanthul reached out and goes pluck, he accidentally thought, you know, I'm just gonna get that pimple, and boom, the thing exploded, and there's gossip gunk everywhere in this big hole, and he's like, oh man, that's not what I wanted. So they're they're trying to organize everything, order it, and get all the as much power as they can back into Azeroth, much like when the Azerites coming up out of everywhere, we're trying to get it back into Azeroth. We're trying to feed it back in, right? What if the Dragon Isles are this natural wellspring of that power that got pulled away when when the Sundering happened, they got cut off, and the power there was being used to create all the stuff that Tyr was doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so... When the the dragon, you know, the dragons are like something bad's happened. We have to go try and save the world, and left and put the uh, the Titan Watchers on you know, in charge. We see them do something. They seal the place off, right? That's yep. the original cinematic. We see them do something. That's them cutting off the Dragon Isles from the Leyline Network and channeling all of its natural Leyline Nexus power back into it. it into itself to basically hold it in abeyance to pull it away. And so it's, it's isolated when the sundering happens, it's not part of the ley line network, but when Azeroth is healing from the offense of Legion, when it's healing from the sword wound, when it's healing from all that Azerite stuff, Azeroth reconnects the ley line. And think about it this way too, like going on that same front, like people have been saying like we sacrificed our artifacts and did all this thing with the giant sword and Azeroth and nothing's happened from it. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and posit that something has happened from it. And going with what Matt's saying here, this is something I've been thinking about too. It's been healing. And what happens when you heal one thing? Your body tries to heal everything. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about healing that's so fascinating is that healing isn't you just grow back new. Healing is you grow new tissue. Uh, You can actually... The reason scurvy exists is because the collagen in your healed wounds can fall apart if you don't get enough vitamin C. So... If Azeroth is attempting to repair itself, it's building new stuff to do it. It isn't just, you know, here's my old stuff back again. Of course not. The old stuff's gone. It has to make new stuff. And the new connections, as it reaches out and finds its ley lines, it's like, what's this thing over here? There's there's a lot of ley line juice over there. Boop. Now that power is going into Azeroth again. And Azeroth is going into it again, which fulfills the condition and releases the lock. And so they start waking up. What if it's, in fact, the power's been there this whole time? And my, yes, Siri, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's interesting, right? Because like you said, in the cinematic, when we see, and I will forever call him Stony Danza. This is a hill I will die on. Hold us closer, Stony. <laughs> uh, but when we see him make his way to the top and light the beacon, maybe it's not a beacon he's lighting. He's turning off the lock. Right. He's he's reactivating whatever the initial purpose was and taking it out of mothballs and letting it do what it needs to do. And that's why the dragons can find it again. And we see him literally we see him lock the door behind them. Yep. That's the opening. When they're leaving, we get Alex Straza's really cool voiceover. The lights he turns the lights off and shuts the door. And then when he wakes up, it's like, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, everybody's messed up and there's lava everywhere. Uh, this is not supposed to still be going. If I'm awaking, I got to get up there and turn it off. And that's the whole video, man, is him getting up there to turn it off while Elton John serenades him. <laughs> uh, I have that video, by the way, thanks to our listeners. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Like this, this particular short 
And some people are giving these a lot of, of gruff. They're, they're, they're laying and don't saying they're not full cinematics. They're not as good as the other ones. I think you're wrong. The people that are saying this, I think that these are very, very good. It is a different art style than we're used to seeing, but the content is still there. That starts to lay out what's to come or what's been happening. And in particular, while one in, in two sort of laid the groundwork for what the direct theater were and, and sort of uh, gave you a sort of an introduction uh, to the dragon flights, if you weren't unfamiliar with them, which again, I argued is something that needs to be done for people that maybe didn't read those books and maybe are just coming to the game now. Cause there are a ton of people that have started playing recently. A, yeah. The last time we had a major dragon flight involved expansion was uh, 11 years ago. Yeah. It's been 11 years. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't even 40 yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm now 50 guys. But I mean, 11, think about that. There's 11 years of players coming to the game that, you know, may have missed that or weren't in the middle of that, or maybe didn't, didn't want to read the book. So you have to have a couple things that sort of set up what the dragon flights are and why they're important. But now mm-hmm. you start getting into the more, I'd say our wheelhouse. It's the more esoteric, the more, the more things that start le- leading you on and start giving you like the little breadcrumbs of where the story could go and give you deepening of the understanding of characters and, and things that happened in the past. And I don't use retcon as a negative thing. I'm with Matt on this one. A retcon is literally what goes back and fills in the gaps. And that's what they're doing here. They're filling in gaps and it's making, it's making for some potentially very important, very impressive dragon storytelling of what's already happened. Not necessarily just what's going to happen, but what's happened before. Cause now I can guarantee. Go ahead. I'm just gonna say there's, there's a big difference between, Telling you, filling in the gaps that were left purposely vague or like a paragraph several thousand years past. I mean, a lot of stuff can happen in several thousand years, but they were trying to get to the next big thing that they did know about. This isn't, this isn't a case of them changing anything. This isn't, oh, the Eridar. Oh yeah. Um, oops. But yeah. They, the Draenei were Eridar. Uh, sorry, but that's what we're going with now. This is very much, we had nothing here. There was like, there was a placard saying history to be determined later. And that's what we're getting is a, a look at what was going on in the distant, distant past. This is, and keep on, we have no idea when this was. This is untold thousands. Ashara wasn't even like an idea in someone's head. Two night, two night elves probably didn't even exist yet. But if there were night elves at this point, they hadn't even thought about having a kid yet. Mm-hmm. This is way back. And I think that Joe's right in that a lot of this stuff is, is coming up. It's not just getting to see the past. It, I mean, it's not just getting to, to see the future. It's getting to finally see the past. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited and, for it. And that's one of the things that I think is going to be most impressive about the Dragonflight expansion as we move forward is not necessarily just exactly what's going on now, but it's it's to me, it's an archaeological expansion. We are unlocking and spending time unlocking bits and pieces of Azeroth's history that one was never a volunteer to us and is going to forever alter the relationship we have with the dragon flights because that's a complicated thing to begin with. And anything that's here that they knew about that they didn't tell us about, that could be a potential danger. It's going to shift how we deal with them and interact with them already. Um, you know, beyond just I can't see it, but I'm nodding when you saw it. <laughs> uh, beyond just the, the, like, you know, Alex Straza being mad at us because the death Knights went and took one of her kids. Um, but it's, it's, it's just going to be such a, potentially ground shaking expansion for interpersonal relation on Azeroth. So much is going to be unveiled here. 
so much about potentially the, the Titans and what their original, their original goals were. And it could not be what we know. We've, we've been told things and I say this all the time and I'm probably going to say this a million times more. Everything is a matter of perspective. It's a matter of who tells you the story. But here's the thing. When you go and investigate for yourself, you have nobody telling you the story. You're putting it together yourself. And as you're making your way through those, uh, the, the, the dungeons where you are in the laboratory of, uh, Deathwing and looking at his papers and his writings and his etchings and what he uncovered, the artifacts that he had, you're going to have a different understanding and you're going to be able to come to your own conclusion. Same thing with what's happening with the bronze dragon flight and what's happening with uh, the blue dragon flight, because they're arcane libraries and they are arcane libraries. They are definitely book nerds. Uh, you know, shout out to the blue dragon flight, but you're going to learn more about them and about what they were. Cause don't forget by the time we started encountering them, Malagos was already nuts. He was already like going off the deep end. We, yeah. we did not take long to get to him and, and have to take him out. The blue dragon flight's been in disarray for a long time. You know, the bronze dragon flight's been basically involved in essentially what amounts to a civil war with itself. Uh, the, because the infinite dragon flight is essentially like, it's not brother versus brother. It's, you know, Ted versus Ted. <laughs> it's hi, I'm Ted. Hi, I'm negative Ted. We're going to fight now. Um, you fool. You can't oppose me. <laughs> I remember when I was you naive and foolish. Wait, what, what happened to Mary Mead with Dick? <laughs> the, 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 so the bronze dragon flight's been busy with that. The green dragon flight's been busy trying to fight uh, void corruption and the nightmare for so long now that they've been sort of removed from it. Alex Straza and the red dragon flight have had their own just absolute cavalcade of tragedies. So we've only dealt with them at these weird moments. And the last time we had it, like Matt pointed out uh, 11 years ago, you know, when we decided to go through and, uh, band together against Deathwing one last time. That was really the last major story beat we got from the dragons. And it was even then they just stepped back and said, it's time for mortals. We're, we're done now, but we never were told what that meant. We don't, we really don't know what most of them were doing in between until we got to Legion and Ysera dies. And, you know, now her daughter is supposed to be taking over. You have Malagos who's struggling to uh, keep the blue dragon flight together because that's been a thing he's been, Caligos, excuse me. Uh, Caligos has been struggling since the day he took over. Uh, it's it's fascinating, and our relationships are all going to change. So I'm going to stop talking now and let Matt, if he has any final thoughts, uh, throw them in here. And I think we're pretty good. All right. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing stuff like Malagos before the War of the Ancients. Because keep in mind, Malagos wasn't just crazy, you know, for a little bit. It was a long time. Algos spent 10,000 years basically trying to keep his flight going with like only a few dozen members and would probably have failed due to his mad, his complete total grief collapse. If not for Alex Straza preserving some of the blue dragon flights eggs. And that's the thing. People don't know this, you know, the reason that there are currently black dragons and blue dragons at all is down to Alex Straza, mm-hmm. you know? So this is, there's a lot there's a lot going on here. There's a lot I want to see. I don't think this expansion can possibly hit all of my needs and wants, but I am looking forward to seeing which ones it tries to. And that's pretty much all I think I have to say at this time. Same. Like, I don't think we're going to get everything because there's too much here, but I think it's going to be a really great starting a jumping off point. And it also makes me very interested to see what we're going to get from novelization at some point during this expansion, because at one point we used to get novels before an expansion would hit. 
as setup and this, certainly there was some some expectation of that i mean even before the storm gave us some context but with the most recent ones they weren't pre-expansion they were mid-expansion they were furthering the story of the characters involved in there and i am looking forward to see what they choose to show us in game and what gets plucked out and given an entire book worth of uh attention because uh yeah I think that's going to be real exciting, but that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Uh, Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions of patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads reset experience. Again, folks, if you have questions for the podcast, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show that it's for. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter as a way of saying thank you, we offer up the Patreon queue and podcast questions channel on our discord server you can go ahead and throw questions in there and we tend to look there first uh as again a way of saying thank you for continued support because it allows us to keep shows like this and the site at a large just operational in general uh if you can't support us on uh patreon again we understand you can also use our q and podcast questions channel uh and if you want to support us without monetary involvement Spread the word, share our episodes and our articles with your your friends, signal boost them on the social media of your choice. Uh, and if you are listening to us on a platform that allows you to leave reviews or ratings, please go ahead and do so. It it sounds hokey, and I'm sure every content creator you have out there says it, but it, it does actually help. Giving things likes, giving them stars, giving them uh, even a comment uh, helps keep things relevant as uh, we move forward and shows that, you know, you like our stuff and it helps. It really, really does. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.